evil kids, buckets of blood, and a time life set of whoop ass. We're talking bad apples with Steve Morris right here on Slasher Sports Cinema. I'm here to kill you. I am Dracula. Say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for? If not for shedding. Six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. Steve Morris, welcome back to the show. Right on, man. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Um, so what have you been up to since the last time you visited, man? Uh, you know, just uh, pre-production on Bad Apples and playing tons of video games, man. So, <laughs> What kind of video games you've been playing, man? Well, I'm a big horror multiplayer type guy, so I've been going back to some of the classics like the Friday the 13th video game. I've been playing a little bit of Dead by Daylight. I got the new Dead Island 2. Uh, you know, I just dabble in a lot of horror, you know, I'm trying to get ready for the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, um, yeah, that's, I think that's the next one. That's the next, I guess, um, the, the, the biggest one I'm looking forward to most, I guess. I mean, dude, when, when Friday the 13th dropped, um, I called out of work for the day. Well, okay. I don't want to act all edgy. I didn't call out of work. I planned it ahead so I could use my PTO like a good boy, but I made a day of it, man. And that, that Friday the 13th was to me, it was the first survival horror online only type of situation that I'd played. I just hadn't, I'd mainly been a sports and maybe like a metal gear solid kind of a guy, but Friday the 13th turned me on to the, the whole um, online only survival horror thing. And, um, you know, I, to this day, I'll, I'll still crank it up every now and then I've got my, my perk set. I've got my favorite counselors. I got my favorite Jason. I got all the kills open. I'm at level 150. Um, I'm just kind of unfuck withable, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you got those, those 10 year old kids that are on there that'll just eat you alive because it's all they do. Yeah, dude. I'm, 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 I'm working a nine to five and then little Rodney, he's at home just cranking away on those, on those machete kills. They know exactly what to do, what not to do. They know where to put the traps that they know it all, man. And I'm, we're kind of at their mercy at this point. Yeah. You're, you're not joking, man. Cause it's like, we bought it full price when it first came out and then it came out for free for everybody else. So like a year or two later. And it was like, they're taking over, man. These nine year olds are like, they're terrifying yeah. and, and and they'll talk so much <laughs> shit to you steve they'll talk so much shit to you and it's almost emasculating yeah. because it, i mean you think that i'm supposed when i was listen when i was in my early 20s i'd slap my own kids around on, on video games right and, and now if we were to play something like i don't know mortal Kombat, i'm i'm toast i don't have a 
Like it almost seems like it, the, the younger you are, the, the, those, I guess, reflexes, you know, you, you think about the, the up, up, down, downs of the, of the world, you know, they know exactly which fatality to go after. They know exactly their combo when I'm just kind of ducking, hoping for an uppercut. <laughs> fighting games were a little different for like when we were kids i feel like you know what i mean like i would have to go to like the gas station or like the pizza hut and like spend a couple of bucks on the arcade and i'd play whoever was there so i'm like i'm a badass but now everything's online i'm playing kids across the world and i'm just like i can't even play a fighting game nowadays dude because as soon as you hop online you're just reminded that this ain't for you bro you know what i mean like the I'm, yeah i'm with you and I feel like the quicker I hop online, the better I'm going to be because I can just kind of get brushed up on it. And I guess that was the case with Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. But I tell you right now, if I play any Call of Duty, um, unless we're talking about the the retro uh, Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, the original Modern Warfare, um, I could go back to that and, and be set up. But anything beyond that, these kids are just roasting me, man, and, and talking shit while doing it. And it's embarrassing. I mean, I, I used to consider myself a heavy duty gamer mm-hmm. and now I, I wouldn't, I'm, I feel like that dad that just picked up the controller for the first time and he's like stuck in the corner and can't do anything but run towards the corner. It, it, it's pretty bad, but you, you went a step further with a, you know, Friday the 13th. That's where I, that's kind of where I stopped. I didn't play very many other survival horror games. I tried dead by daylight. And like even my sons were totally into it, and I love the the original killers. Um, and then they started adding some of the the classic guys. They've got okay, they've got Michael Myers. They've got do they have Leatherface on there? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Who else they got that I'm missing as far as the classic guys? They got Ghostface. They got um, they got a lot of classic guys on there. It was like uh, Freddy Krueger, um, the Ring. Uh, the little girl from what the- yeah dude once they added that little character i was like yeah dude i'm done this character's teleporting everywhere and just terrifying man like you know if they knew what was good for them they'd be doing reveals like uh super smash does like those little uh cut scene type they things what do they really every time they're about to release like a new character they have like a cool little thing like i remember when ghostface was coming out they did like a little uh grocery store like uh bit and it was like somebody walking through a grocery store and like they got the ghost face costume on or something random like that. And they go to check out and that was a whole thing. I'm sure the reaction does it a lot too. When they had like resident evil updates in the game or like uh, dead by daylight, not dead by daylight, uh, stranger things. Uh, you know, they have these little cut scenes for like those little updates and stuff usually right in the beginning. Um, so those, well, those are actually kind of cool. It's the smallest little detail story they have in those games, but <laughs> yeah, because like I, I wasn't really hip to it until the what was the reveal for a Super Smash for Sephiroth of Final Fantasy VII, right? Um, I, I guess my kids were showing me reaction videos, and I'm watching, and I'm thinking, okay, this this is cool, and then all of a sudden that sword goes through Mario, and I'm like, oh my god they just impaled Mario. Like they're going all in for this because Mario, the, the, the most you're going to get on him is a, a few little fireballs or something, right? Make right. him small, you know, jumps off the ledge, but no, he's, he's getting impaled by Sephiroth sword. And I, I can tell they're really going all in on it. And I was, I mean, I got goosebumps from it because I'm a huge final fantasy seven guy, but knowing that they're doing those, um, 
those reveal videos. It kind of, I, I guess I need to look those up. Yeah, dude, they're pretty cool, man. A little animated <laughs> video. How did Dead by Daylight compare to Friday the 13th for you? Because I, I was spoiled from Friday. Same. Yeah. I, yeah. I, like, I can't, I need to be able to, like, lay into the killer a little bit. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't have to kill them necessarily, but I need to be able to, like, hit them, you know? And Dead by Daylight, um, it's a game of hide and seek, essentially. You know what I mean? Like, you're just running and hiding the entire game. And I love it. Don't get me wrong. It's fun. But Friday the 13th was special to me, dude. Like, the, the are there as many ways to win the game though no. as friday no it's basically kind of just you're, you're stuck repairing generators and getting out the door right yeah that or get out the okay. game or something like that like there's no killing the killer there's no you know uh multiple ways to escape you know um that that's what i really dig about friday 13th i can take the car or the boat uh call the cops i can survive what is it like 20 minutes or so for a match yeah 20 minutes which is really it, it feels lengthy yeah it does if if, if you die within two minutes yeah exactly <laughs> you know but if if you're there the whole time it doesn't feel that long of a game it's, it's about twice as long as your standard call of duty uh like uh what is the one uh, team death match or something? They're usually like 10 minutes or 15 or something like that. I don't know. But um, you've been playing the Evil Dead game, though, and I have not yet gotten into it. I want to. But that is probably the closest between game, I could say, that's like Dead by Daylight and Friday 13th, because I get to lay into the demons. You know, there's a bunch of variety for the heroes, the weapons, the the demons you're going against. Like, there's a lot of fun variety to it. Uh, but that's one of those games where if you're not squatted, you don't have like a squad you can play with. You're going to play with randoms all the time and they're just kind of lone wolves and they uh, they make you die really quick. You know, that's one of those games where you really kind of got to collaborate with your uh, your teammates in order to make it through. It's it's hard, but it's fun. Well, I guess I should get some friends first. Oh, yeah. Right. Dude, I'm always willing to hop on. So, you know what I mean? Music to my ears because I have the game. I've, I've, got, I've got it ready to roll. I just uh, haven't gotten on yet. Um, but you know, that all kind of leads up to the, 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 the Texas chainsaw game coming out. And I haven't seen a lot about that. Um, I love the thought of having a Texas chainsaw game and I would hope that it's a little bit more, and this is just me being a a purist, I guess I would hope that it's going to be, um, geared more toward the original, uh, Texas and, and not so much the, um, the reboots i guess yeah that was kind of one of my thoughts too like hopefully they could work up to the other ones but i wanted to sure. really work into the first one so far if you watch the videos that's what they're going for is it's it's leading right into the first film essentially you know what i mean so i dig that they're introducing new family members and stuff just for the game they're bringing back old characters it's three versus four so you got three killers running throughout the level trying to mess you up you know what i mean you got like the cook uh, the hitchhiker in Leatherface versus, you know, one of these four survivors and they all got their own special abilities. Like one's quiet, one's smart, one can actually knock the guys down. You know what I mean? So that game is going to be nuts, man. I, I, I so, mean, it's made by the same guys that made Friday the 13th. So, so what is that gun media? Uh, I do believe so. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so you know, the, what is it? 8v1 for Friday the 13th? That, that that felt like it wasn't too ridiculous. Yeah, eight, seven, eight, nine, V1. I didn't feel like it was too um, 
I guess, too much of an advantage for either team because Jason is totally over, you know, overpowered from from the jump. Um, but I, yeah, the, I like the the three v four. Reminds me of that Predator uh, hunting grounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought. I mean, I guess you could say that is kind of a a Call of Duty meets Friday the Thirteenth because you've got your objectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can either you know the Predator or the I guess the 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 militants but um i didn't get to play that one as much as i wanted to but i remember specifically loving the premise you know running up in the trees and the camouflage and man fantastic game i just didn't get enough into it i I don't know maybe i was just in a weird weird place where i I didn't have time or something maybe i was starting this bullshit podcast i don't know but when it came out i was super hyped about it and didn't get near enough out of it and i just wonder if the if people are still going strong on it i doubt they are i think that was another one of those ones that came out free for a little bit and um i just didn't see too many people playing online uh, when i was into it but it was super fun dude i loved actually playing as a survivors which i didn't think i would you know what i mean i was like of course i want to be predator you know in a predator game but they really made those missions for the the soldiers pretty fun man like yeah yeah, I, I did. I did wish that they'd gone and done a Friday the Thirteenth situation and given us maybe some characters from the the films. Right. Um, even if eventually uh, updated into the game, I think. Did they put him in there? I think so. I think you had to buy him, but I think man, you, you could give me any member of that that original crew, and I'd be happy. Jesse Jesse Ventura, Carl Weathers, um, the guy that played Billy Bear on Forty Eight Hours. Uh, hell, I'll take Bill Duke uh, in his dysentery having ass. I I would love to play as Bill Duke on that game. Even the uh, even the guy the, the telling the joke. Uh, uh, Jesus is a big pussy. Jesus is a big pussy. Why'd you say it twice? I didn't. Love that shit, man. But you know, listen, we're we're not here to talk about video games, man. You got a really cool project coming up, and I want to get as much of this out as we can. But first, um. Did you catch the new Evil Dead film? Not yet, dude. I was supposed to go see it, and being a lady had to reschedule. Um, so hopefully, well, there will be no spoilers from me. Um, far be it for me to spoil a film like I do on the on the Thursday podcast. That's going to be uh, starting officially this week. Now we uh, we've talked about doing a classic film podcast, and um, I'm going to be doing that starting this week. We're going to be jumping back in time, talking about films that dropped on this week in horror movie history. And uh, yeah, I haven't decided which which film we're going to roll with this week. But when I do, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a banger. I might be looking at um, uh, the the thing from Out of This World and uh, or the thing from uh, the thing from Another World. And fifty one was. You know, it was a good year, but I wonder if... Eat my puppy real quick. Sorry. Do it, man. Do it. Do your thing, man. Help bring him in if you got to. But, uh, yeah, the the film that The Thing from 1982 was based on, um, in my opinion, the greatest horror film of all time, The Thing. John Carpenter's A God Among Men, but this is the film that uh, The Thing was based on and loosely based on because there are so many original ideas and thoughts in there i mean you got james arness in this thing how do you not like matt dillon 
shit. But we're gonna see. We're gonna we're gonna see what we roll with Thursday. Um, but man, Evil Dead Rise. I I went to see it Saturday night. Uh, picked up the the kid from work at 9 p.m. We were at the theater by 9:37. Movie started at 9:40. Movie didn't start at 9:40. Movie started at 10. My, my bucket of popcorn was gone by the time the credits even started. But man, I was pretty pretty happy with it. Um, I have a terrible confession to make though. About an hour into the film, um, I don't know if it's my my 40 year old self just acting like a 40 year old, but. I conked out right there in the theater, fell dead asleep. And I woke up right around the time the final death blow was being given to uh, the, the person who receives the final death blow. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm ashamed. It was just not because it was a bad movie. It was not a bad movie. It was a good movie on the contrary. A lot of uh, loose nods to the previous films, you know, many of the previous films, uh, it's, it's, it's not, it's a standalone film, but obviously ties into the same universe. Um, very happy with the film though. Uh, very much a girl power film. Um, I I don't know if you've heard that much about it, but very much a, a girl power film and, uh, you love to see it. So I hope, uh, hope you get to see it soon. And I'm going to wait for that. Um, I'm kind of hoping that, you know, that does kind of tie in a little bit into the games because the game uh, ties into all of the movies and the TV shows and everything with the time travel and everything and the Necronomicon. And that's how you get all these characters into one location. Uh, And with some of the lore, I've heard about what they're teasing with the films and there being multiple books and possibly, you know, multiple universes. I'm thinking that we're going to get something like that in a cinematic version down the line. And I'm all for it because like I said, that little story bits in the game, it's kind of like uh, in Friday the 13th, you find the Tommy Jarvis tapes and stuff like that. Or like the, the tapes where they'd be talking about Jason as a kid and stuff, his mother. And it's very similar how the story tapes and the evil dead game are, you know, once you do like these little, single player uh, missions or whatever, you unlock a, a tape that tells you a little bit more about like the reading of the book and him summoning other people from different universes. Like I'm summoning the savior and then here comes somebody from the TV show and they're like, what the heck is here? So hopefully that ties in. That's pretty cool. So I've got to start this thing, Steve. I what? Why am I dragging my feet on it, man? I know because MLB, the show 23 came out and that's, that's where my dumb ass has been hanging out. But listen, man, you, you didn't see Evil Dead Rise yet, so I'm going to hold all thoughts on it. Um, you know, my dad, my stepdad, I call him my dad. He's been around since I was two. Um, I, I used to be a big fan of uh, Kung Fu Theater. Mm-hmm. And my stepdad was not a fan of Kung Fu Theater. Okay. And yeah, you got to understand um, I am from just north of Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. And you're a, you're a Kentucky guy, right? No, you're an Indiana guy. Yeah. So, but you understand, you know, mid, mid, the Midwest and the South are not too far apart, man. You're going to have a little bit different of an accent, but a hillbilly's a hillbilly. Okay. And my stepdad's a hillbilly. And whenever he would catch me watching Kung Fu theater, he'd walk in and he'd be like, is that one of them slap shows? because of the slapping noises that these films make. And um, 
Yeah, so ever since I was younger, he would refer to kung fu films as slap shows. And he just told me, he said, Billy, I think you're going to have to watch one of these slap shows with me. And I was like, whoa, what's going on here? He's ready to he's ready to watch one. He told me about a film. uh, It turns out to be an Indonesian film. And I think it's called The Raid Redemption. Mm-hmm. And apparently there are a few parts of that and the, the raid redemption is now on Netflix. So I've got, I've got to take some time between uh, now and Sunday night to watch this film with him. Um, we might have to hit up two and three as well, but as far as upcoming films, man, you really look at important films to me anyway. And at the forefront is the Godzilla universe, the monster verse, if you will. Mm. And I was so happy, so very happy to see that they finally settled on a title for the new Godzilla Kong movie. Um, so let's take a look at it. Okay. A nice little teaser. Marcus's I believe that's going to be either March or May, one of the M months in 2024 where that's going to drop. Where do you stand on Godzilla? I mean, I grew up on it. I liked a lot of them growing up. I wasn't like hardcore into it, but like I really like what they're doing with like the new versus situation of King and uh, Godzilla. I remember when the trailer came out for that movie, I was just like blown away. I was like, oh man, I actually got to watch this one in theaters. And I was happy I did. So definitely. That was one that was one that I, I felt like COVID really screwed us on that one. Uh, it, it felt a little rushed. I was a little bit pissed off at one of the trailers, but then again, it was kind of my fault. Okay. I was working someplace at a, kind of a, a side gig and there was an older gentleman there. His, his name was Jackie. I hope he's doing all right, but Jackie and I, um, I, w- I would talk up Godzilla films to him and he just never got into it, you know? And I said, man, we, we, we're going to have to figure out a way to watch this Godzilla film and we're going to do it on the clock. That's what we're going to do. And he, um, I, I hope nobody from, from that job is listening, but we're going to do it on the clock. So once the trailer dropped, Old Jackie and I pulled up YouTube and we started just piecing this trailer together. We would we'd watch it and we'd stop every every other frame and just try to pick out what's going on in the you know in the background. What what are we looking at? And I felt like whoever edited this trailer uh, gave away a huge thing. And that huge thing was obviously the, the film's been out long enough. So if you don't want to hear a spoiler for Godzilla versus Kong, then I guess back out for a moment. But um, the, the fact that Mecha Godzilla was going to be in this film was spoiled right there in the trailer twice. As a matter of fact, um, one, one scene where you see uh, young Surizawa, the, I, I guess he was meant to be the son of Dr. Surizawa. The, the one who sacrificed himself to revive Godzilla in King of the Monsters. Um, 
which they never say it. They, they, they never refer to him as the son of or brother of anyone, um, especially somebody as important as Dr. Surizawa. But the, uh, the, the, the screen behind him is you see two giant lizard legs and like a, a loading bar. And it's like, uh, I don't know, 33% loaded. And I'm like, what are they charging here? What kind of lizard would they charge? What kind of lizard would you charge other than a Mecha Godzilla, right? And then later on in, in the trailer, you see this huge cloud of debris um, rushing through a city. And, and right in the front of it, you see the face, like a mechanical face of, of Mecha. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, man, they let just a little bit too much out of the bag there. Like th that, that could have been a huge surprise. People were already going to pay for Kong versus Godzilla. They're already going to pay for that. Let the surprise come to those who, you know, paid their tickets. Yeah. So there were no surprises in the film. None. A bit of a bummer when it comes to like any of the versus films. You know, like there's going to be like a third party usually that comes in and like kind of like splits them up, and it's like there are no losers here except for this new guy that we're going to bash up. You know, but and really quickly, yeah. really quickly. Um, I mean, knowing what we know about the Godzilla universe, though, uh, we know that there's supposed to be uh, probably like a, a Mecha Ghidorah. So um, hopefully that comes out because they dispatched of Mecha Godzilla so quickly. Uh, but this one apparently is going back to the past to revisit some of the origins of maybe the uh, rivalry between Godzilla and Kong. Um so who, who knows how that's going to go. But I, I think it's going to go well. If, if you love Godzilla and that universe, you're going to love the film anyway. Be that be that as it may, however however well or poorly the film does, it's not going to be better than Sheen Godzilla because that has become my very favorite of the entire universe. And it didn't happen that way overnight. It, it took a few watches, but man, the more I watch it, the more I love it. Did you ever see Sheen Godzilla? If I did, it's been so long, dude. Like I, yeah, I mean, every time there's a marathon of those movies on as a kid, dude, it was like, boom, we're watching everything until we fall asleep, you know, and that'd be like 7 a.m., you know, like type of thing. Yeah, man, and like those marathons are great, but there comes a time of the night where you run into the uh, the, the the Manila, uh, you know, the, 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 the basically Godzilla Jr., the, the little tiny okay. Godzilla, and it's it just makes you want to throw up, man. And then there's the, you, you may love this. I absolutely hate it, but you may love the, uh, the, the gliding kick where he's, uh, he's sliding on his tail, that double drop kick. I, I, I can't get behind it, but there was a time of Godzilla, you know, <laughs> there was a, a time of, of, of Godzilla that I just could not, I just couldn't wrap my mind around. Why would they minimize the ferocity of Godzilla by turning him into a basic cartoon? What do you but, think about the Matthew Broderick film? God, man. Uh, I like to pretend it doesn't exist. Um, and ha had it been any other film, they could have called it, you know, um, they could have called it anything. It could have been the original Cloverfield. I, I, and I would have been fine with it. But calling it Godzilla and then having Godzilla lay eggs. It's like, oh my God, Godzilla's a, a female. <sighs> Come on, man. Matt Broderick, I love him for, you know, his his uh you know ferris bueller film and he's actually had some some fun films like the cable guy but man godzilla wasn't it 
it, it, it almost we had to wait a long time what another two or three years to get the the, the next japanese installment right it's almost like an apology for the 97 or 98 version uh, godzilla 2000 was great I thought it did what it was supposed to do. I believe it even had Rob Zombie on the soundtrack when he was at his height. Uh, Super Beast, I think, was it. But um, yeah, man, what, what did you think of it? Please tell me that uh, I'm just wrong about all of it and you love it. I mean, I'm definitely split down the middle. I'm like you. If it was named something else, you probably would hold it higher regard. Um, but as a Godzilla film, it's just kind of like mid-tier. You know what I mean? Like, but. I liked a lot of the characters and the little world that they introduced. It was just kind of like the whole Godzilla lane eggs thing. It's kind of like, okay, so we're doing something different. Like, is this a different Godzilla? We're going to be like the dudes in Jap- Japan. Like what's going on? <laughs> you know, like it is what it is, but you know, it wasn't the worst film. I'd say that for that, that little time period it came out in, man, there was so many bad films. Uh, oh yeah. My grandma worked at a movie theater. So I would just go to work with her and spend the whole day just watching movies for free, dude. And like, that was one of them, you know, that came out. I was just kind of like, oh, this isn't the worst one I watched today. You know what I mean? So today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good call. I mean, it, you're right, but it did feel like the filmmakers, it almost didn't occur to them that there was already an established universe of Godzilla. Okay. And it's like, there's the, the, the old man laying there dying and he's saying in Japanese, obviously, uh, you know, Gojira, Gojira. And somebody says, did he just say Gojira? Like it's supposed to be a, a joke about the, the Japanese accent. I was like, well, yeah, I mean, that was the name of the film, though. Gojira was the actual name of we changed it. So like, what are we what exactly are we making fun of here? I don't know. But I'm looking forward to this one, Steve. I, I really am. Um, something else I'm looking forward to, though, is. I'm going to sound hypocritical here. Because I've never been a fan of paranormal films. I've always been more into films that I believe can happen. And I realize I'm saying this in nearly the same breath as talking about my love for Godzilla. (laughs) So just bear with me. But when it comes to like religious entities and, and ghosts and the paranormal and the supernatural films like insidious just never really did it for me. The original Insidious had some really crazy imagery. I love uh, Lynn Shay and Will for the rest of my life. Um, I could do without ever seeing another film with Patrick Wilson in it uh, because he seems like to he seems like the go to guy. He he was in that right. I think so. I mean, he, it seems like he's the go to house films man. So it's it's a cookie cutter casting, uh, just clean cut all American white bread dad. Um, I think in one of the films, they, they threw it back into the past and uh, like they gave him some kind of paste on sideburns. It looked exactly the same, but they would put a turtleneck and some sideburns on him. And suddenly they're in the seventies, but these films just never have done it for me. But this new insidious red door is uh, it looks kind of interesting. Looks like they're bringing some people back from the past. Um, maybe from, you know, the original insidious film. Um, let's just take a look at it, man. This, uh, this is the ready? film that, this is the trailer. ready to forget the further once and for before all. Before Evil Dead yeah. And this is the fifth film, My by the way. It's just been foggy past few years. All I ever wanted was, was to be a good dad. Dalton. Mom. 
Insidious always did rely on those jump scares, but they, they do place them effectively. Why don't you drive Dalton to college? You still have a few weeks before your students show up, right? Just an idea burns. to still reconnect, and it's been tough with you too. The balance of light and dark is what we're after. You're in the art school, I take it? Yeah, you go here too? Yes. Draw an experience that defines you. So I when guess I this ten. is the kid. Yeah. I was in a coma. But I don't even remember being sick. Sink deep into your memory and let's see what light can find. Mysterious ghosts and pictures. I'm seeing crazy stuff. I will say this film did ruin Pine. I think these drawings could be clues from my past. There's so much you don't know. And I was too scared to tell you the truth. Our family has been keeping secrets. They suppressed our memories, but I can still feel something following us. There's only one way to find out. Red fucking blue. Go and ruin a perfectly good tune like Tiptoe Through the Tulips. I feel like I'm getting closer to something. Or something's getting closer to me. When you awaken the dead, the further you travel, the riskier your journey will become. Horror royalty lynching. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, th I think that's going to be worth a trip to Regal Cinemas for me. No, I'm just middle of the the lane with that because I like you. I'm just kind of like jump scare, bloom house, um, spooky well, imagery. They're all gonna be fine. No, everybody's fine. Fucking everybody's fine. Powers, they're gonna get their memories back. It's over. I'm just kidding. I am not gonna. That, that's why all these films run together for me. Yeah, the the, the Conjuring, uh, the Nun. Uh, uh, the, the witch, the goat, the fucking uh, whatever there is. Th these films just all run together for me. I couldn't even tell you which film or which series, which franchise Patrick Wilson had those weird sideburns in. It, it might not have been Insidious. It might have been one of the Conjuring films. It might not have even been Patrick Wilson. But it seems like it was Patrick Wilson. And if it seems like it was him, it was him. And if I can't tell you right now if it was or wasn't, you're you're not making these films unique enough. Yeah, just like the, the these um, these exorcism films, uh, we got one with Russell Crowe. We just had one with uh, Jackie um, Jacqueline. Can't remember her last name, but uh, blonde chick was in uh, the, another exorcism film. We just got too many exorcisms. Um, they got to the point where they had the exorcism of God. Okay, so once you run out of people to exercise, you now have to do an exorcism of God himself. Well, so bringing back another remake of The Exorcist, you know, it's just coming soon. Oh yeah, David Gordon Green's going to helm that one. Um, I, I've seen too many people saying he's going to ruin another once proud franchise. So I, I really think that uh, The Exorcist Two, uh, the Heretic, did that, but <laughs> they had to bounce back and make Part Three with with Patton and oh, wow. uh, and Chucky. A chance when it first came out because Part Two was so freaking bad, dude. It took a while, man, but George C. Scott's a fucking legend, man. And like a after the changeling, 
I said, okay, let's, let's go ahead and try this. And then, of course, Brad Dorf, being Brad Dorf, you kind of just have to bite the bullet and say, okay, I'm going to give this a shot um, and pretend the heretic never, never happened. Um, I seem to be doing that with a lot of films lately. Um, the but man, doing it with themselves now, though. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, look at the Halloween. They go back. They're like, none of these happen now. And then, you know, uh, Scream kind of, not really, but still did. You know, a little bit. They're like, yeah, we're going to. Yeah. Talk about you know, a lot of back to that, so. they have no issues doing a retcon with little to no explanation. There's still people while here watching Halloween films thinking that Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Myers are, are siblings all the way up to, you know, Halloween ends. And I just haven't the heart to tell them that they've ignored all that sibling stuff from part two, all the way up till, till 2018. So they don't offer much explanation. And uh, unless you're reading Fangoria, if you're, unless you're reading, you know, any of the numerous online magazines, but I mean, I go to, upcominghorrorfilms.com if you want to find some really good information very helpful um i want to plug them by the way also let me plug uh promote horror uh, at promote horror on twitter one of the most helpful accounts there is you tag them they're gonna they're gonna retweet your stuff and they're uh, super helpful as long as it's horror related they're gonna retweet you but man let's, let's talk about your film for a moment for a few moments um bad apples this is a film that you you'd mentioned the last time you were on talking about he knows uh, great film by the way and bad apples man just tell me about this project the first concepts and your motivation for creating the film gotcha gotcha so a rough idea of the plot for the feature would be uh, we're following a young self-absorbed sociopath as she kind of unravels and begins to show her true colors once her foster family adopts yet to steal her spotlight. So I think about that and the, what came came up with the idea of the story mainly was looking at something like The Good Son. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe I, I could compare a little bit to Orphan. I hate the comparison to Orphan because I have a girl who's somewhat of an orphan and has uh, some murderous tendencies that come out into play, you know what I mean? But I really like to compare it more to the good son because of like how deep the the connection is with a lot of these characters. And we get to see a little bit more through the antagonist point of view, uh, which is something that is just appealing to me, you know, kind of seeing like this kid go down like the rabbit hole of madness and just kind of, you know, um, that's kind of a fun play on words because the character's name is Alice as Alice in Wonderland and Rabbit Hole Madness. Uh, anyway, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. So that no, was that's good though. I I like that kind of uh, Easter eggy type of type of thing though. Yeah, yeah. I'm a huge like uh, Mad Hatter fan. Like, so Batman's universe and the, the you know the books, uh, Alice in Wonderland, all that stuff. So like, I've always had that little obsession with wanting to do stories like that. Uh, look at like the what is it, the Rundown or something like that, where it was kind of like you know. Uh, I want to say that was a little bit more of like the Alice in Wonderland or some like scenario where it's playing out in the real world actiony type story. But uh, sure. yeah, I like, I like tying stuff like that into, you know, real life situations and stories. Um, so that's just kind of what made me come up with a concept like this for uh, bad apples, you know? So. Well, I like that you bring up the good son because I don't think that <laughs> film gets enough credit in I guess the the realm of evil kids 
doing evil deeds. Okay, that, that, that is one of the better films. Elijah Wood is not a, a, a huge actor today without a film like The Good Son. Okay, and let's Macaulay Culkin too, dude. Like that was like a different Macaulay Culkin was the it kid then. And he he's he, Kevin McAllister, you know, and people loved him. He was like the uh the the the, the all American little boy, the the mischievous kid. But man, like that dark side came out and it it was a fantastic film. And I, I think it gets overlooked. People think about Children of the Corn. There's some hidden, you know, some hidden gems out there when it comes to evil kid movies. And I, I don't know why we love the evil child trope so much. What do you can you think of any reason why we gravitate towards that trope? Because kids are innocent in most people's eyes so when they're scary they're scary dude like i remember when my kid was like just a couple months old dude i was reading this book called the demonata by darren shan it's like a whole little series of like little horror fantasy type books and there's like a, a, a killer baby in the book you know what i mean one of the series of the books and as soon as i'm like getting to this crazy part about this baby i'm like oh that's nuts I look up and my baby is just like sitting there in their swing, eyes wide open after they've been asleep for like the last 30 minutes or an hour, just like staring me down right at that moment. And it was terrifying, <laughs> you know, so it kind of like took me out of the moment. So like kids are just like, yeah, it's the innocence of them, I think, is what is terrifying. You know what I mean? It's same thing with like well, a, I just... or a cat or something. It's like you don't expect them to be evil. So if they're evil in a movie, you're like, oh, fuck, run. You know what I mean? Like, That's why Cujo was so great, you know? Um, of, of course, D. Wallace was a, a gem in that film, but you, you expect a big, cuddly St. Bernard to just remain big and cuddly. And then you see that evil side. I just posted an on this day in movie history uh, post the other day about Pet Cemetery, And you see this little blonde haired, blue eyed kid through a, a lot of the film. And he's just so precious, so innocent. Then that semi comes along and changes everything. And you see this little fucker cutting Herman Munster's Achilles, and <laughs> you know that the, the shift, well, the, the the tide has changed now, and it's it's a whole different film. And yeah, evil kids they do it, but th this film, you're calling it a psychological thriller with a high body count. Well, tell me more about that. Yeah, so you know, with he knows it was more of a slasher film, you know. So I went with a lot more of the the slasher tropes, and then with this one, kind of using something like The Good Son as like the basis, it's more of a psychological thriller because with the a lot of these characters and the friendships, the family members, and all this stuff, like they feel real, you know what I mean to me, and just like the way they interact with each other, and like seeing how they all kind of have like their own shit going on that kind of starts to accumulate towards the end. Um, it really starts the mess with certain characters and you get to see that descent into madness. So when I watched, you know, the good son, I rewatched it a couple of years ago with my kids. And that was like, one of my complaints was like, man, I want more Macaulay Culkin, man. Like I love Elijah Wood and like his whole little thing, but like, I wanted to see more of this other kid being nuts. You know what I mean? Like what was like really driving him to do certain things that he did, you know what I mean? And with some, with the character that I'm working with, you get to see that you get to see like a whole spectrum of like their life and like how they interact with different people and certain things that set them off. And like how, you know, once one domino goes down, it just, it's the whole effect, you know what I mean? Shit hits the fan. Um, so that is just a fun story to kind of like play with, you know, and see like what makes a character tick and what makes the other characters around them tick to make that character tick. You know what I mean? So 
Uh, and just, you don't get to see that unless you do follow the antagonist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just, you know, it's usually something that comes into like the third act of the film where you get like some of these revelations of a character. And with this one, it's like, no, it's no real twist per se. Like you'll be surprised by certain things that happen. But like, for the most part, it's a straightforward story. You know where you're getting in because of the intro that we're going to be doing. So like, it'll start off strong and then you'll be like, okay, we know where we're going to go with this. So um, we got some really fun stuff planned for this one. Right now, you know that Alice. Alice, so, yeah. Alice is your 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 main character, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, and antagonist, mm-hmm. uh, played by uh, <laughs> very very good up and coming uh, actors. I, I would hate to even say up and coming because she's already uh, yeah, she's been doing big things. Uh, Morgan Pyle is Alice. Uh, tell us about working with uh, Morgan. Uh, you, you've worked with Morgan before. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I've actually worked with her technically a couple times because mm-hmm. I worked with her on a film called Wicked Ones. We didn't have any scenes together or anything. It was like we were technically at the same location for holding at one point in time. And then, you know, we went and shot our own stuff on whatever days. And uh, after that, I was like, oh, I'd really like to reach out to her and get her in a film, you know. And so I got her in my film, He Knows. And then working with her on He Knows and like a lot of these other, you know, child actors on He Knows, it was just kind of like, wow, these kids are like super talented and they're a pleasure to work with, you know, compared to some adult divas that you may encounter in industry. So, you know, for my next film, I was like, I want to film with mostly kids, man, because they're the professionals, apparently, in an independent film community from what I've learned, man. Like these kids got their stuff together, dude. They do their scene study. They reach out with questions like they get the wardrobe down, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, like, it just drove me to want to do a horror movie with kids, you know what I mean, after doing that. And as you know about Morgan, uh, she's worked on Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. It's kind of a mouthful. Uh, but that's is. an Efron Ted Bundy film on Netflix. She played his daughter in that film, you know? And uh, so if you watch, like, her, her little progression of roles, it's like she played the daughter of a serial killer. He knows, you know, it kind of hints that she has a little bit of a troubled childhood, and then we get full steam ahead into Bad Apples, where we actually get to see Morgan really go um, a little off the rails a little bit uh, with her character. And <laughs> just uh, knowing what we have written and knowing what she can do, uh, she's going to blow it away. She's going to just knock it out of the park. Like I, I'm so excited to get Morgan on set again. She's super fun. Her mother is super cool to work with. It's just a professional little team there, man. Just, you know. I've heard her- nothing but great things about her. Absolutely yeah. nothing but great things about her. And so I, I guess what we need to do is put over the rest of your cast, though. We, we want to talk about your cast and your crew right. so people know exactly who we're, who we're, we're working with here and who right. we're supporting. Uh, Lisa Wallace as uh, Shannon in, in Bad Apples. Say it again. Is it Lisa Wilcox? Is it Wilcox? Where I did I get Lee Wallace and Lisa I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Where I sh- yeah, 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 yeah. I, I did. Uh, I, I, t- I was totally spacing on that. Lisa. Wilcox I was like, please don't tell me. I've been messaging her the wrong last name and everything. And oh, no, no, no. That's me. I actually, um, Lisa Wilcox is, she's got a, um, she's got a pretty, pretty extensive resume. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so and this, this is like a, a, a big get for you. Oh, yeah, dude. And it, her character, Shannon, uh, so if anybody that knows Lisa Wilcox, she's from A Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and 5. She played a character named Alice 
and she's the mother of Alice in my film. So, you know, we got some fun stuff planned for her and um, she's got a, a husband going to be played by uh, Darren Lee Cup. Uh, he's really well known for his dancing and acting. He's got a dance studio here in Indiana. I do believe he also performed with, uh, I want to say Janet Jackson at a NFL uh, playoff game or something like that. I don't recall exactly. He has an extensive resume as well, but he's playing a character named Rick. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of like Nightmare and Elm Street Easter eggs there uh, from four and five that I had in the story way before I ever got Lisa Wilcox as part of the film. And if you watch He Knows, I have a Freddy Krueger Easter egg in that film as well, uh, where it's a full on glove situation. You know what I mean? And Sammy just kind of tosses it aside. Uh, but like it was just like once I talked to Lisa and I got her on to the film, it was like, I feel like this was kind of meant to be. You know what I mean? Like. She's playing a character that's a mother of a character named Alice. Like all these Easter eggs to the Friday or the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise was already like in my films already because I'm a huge Wes Craven nut, dude. Like you know, Scream, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Like what else has he done? Like Hills Have Eyes, if I can recall. Like dude's got mm-hmm. his resume. You know what I mean? Like the movies are just iconic as hell. <laughs> you know what I mean? So getting someone like Lisa Wilcox to be like excited about my script was just like. It blew me away, dude. Like, <laughs> I was like, we did oh. a uh, a throwback to the people under the stairs, and um, that that was a, a really fun, really fun film to review. Uh, a Wes Craven film, um, and I think it was Madonna yeah. that um, that Darren worked with, um, on at the the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty sure it was Madonna. It was Madonna. But you've got Britt Baker coming back. You've worked with Britt before. Britt Baker's fantastic. So she's a local Fox 59 news anchor here in Indiana. Uh, she's also worked in other states as well before as a news anchor. I'm not sure about the, the networks and stuff, but she's uh, she's been breaking out into the acting game quite a bit. And she was another pleasure to work with on He Knows. And, you know, after working with certain people, you're just kind of like, I'm always going to bring them back for something. You know what I mean? And Morgan and Britt were like, obviously some of the first two people I hit up because they were just such a pleasure to work with. You know what I mean? Like, it came to scheduling, character breakdown, study, any anything that I wanted to bounce off of these people, uh, they were really good with. So um, it's yeah, really back. important to to keep. I guess you want to have a variety in your films, but it's also important that you don't get hamstrung by the talent sometimes. And so you go back to people that you're just really familiar with, really comfortable with, and uh, it seems that you know Brit is somebody that you could really hang your hat on. And know that you're you're not going to get flaked on. Um, exactly. Brit's a pro. Brit is yeah. an absolute pro. As as the filmmaker, you know, I'm the one putting up the money for everything. You know, if I can't raise it, which you know we're working on raising it right now, but uh, you know, most of the money is probably going to end up having to come out of my pocket for the project. And you know, you need people that you can rely on because you know, with he knows, I'd have a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollar days and stuff on average. You know what I mean? And how much it would cost. I get everything set up and stuff. And then somebody hit me up and be like, oh, I'm supposed to act today? Like, bro, we've been in contact for months. Yes, you're supposed to act today. Like, what's going on here? So we'd had to, like, rearrange days and things like that. And then, you know, I had people like, Britt, that was just super troopers, man. They're just like, I got you. I can do tomorrow instead or whatever. Because this other person, you know, threw off the entire schedule for everybody because of their flakiness. You know what I mean? (laughs) So... You know, I was only paying people $150 a day for, you know, base 
whatever they were doing. You know what I mean? And sure, it's not a lot of money, but you know, it's a lot of money coming out of my pocket. Do you think I make one hundred and fifty dollars a day working at like fast food jobs and like donating plasma? I don't. You know what I mean? Like, I don't donate plasma on a regular, but when I was doing he knows, it was kind of like we only raised like seven grand out of the 30 grand that we needed. So I had to reach out to people, raise an additional seven grand and then pay the other 15 plus out of pocket. So I was working two part-time jobs, donating plasma, you know, whatever I could do to like make sure everybody's paid and happy. You know, are you guys having fun? Are we eating well on set? You know, is everybody safe, you know, and comfy? Like there's a lot of stuff you got to juggle. So when you got people like, you know, Britt and Morgan in your corner that, you know, got you, you know what I mean? Like, they're going to give you advice or let you know if something's messed up, you know, like that, those are the type of people you want. So. It, it is tantamount having a, a support system like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, okay. So you got somebody, uh, you know, pulling double duty here and we're talking about Celeste Blandon yeah, uh, playing Brittany. Um, she's going to be again, pulling double duty. She's going to be behind the scenes. What, what you got Celeste doing? So Celeste is playing a character named Brittany. Um, we're not going to, say too much about that character right now because she's got a fun little arc in the film but she's also going to be doing hair and makeup for us and she's she's like professional you know when it comes to hair and makeup she's she's got a pretty nice little resume going as well um top notch as an actress as well she's got a phantom fun world coming out uh watch can't wait for that uh both of those films look fantastic so i met her on the set of phantom fun world um I had like a small little cameo role in that film. And <clears throat> when I got to set, you know, it was like super busy. Everybody's a little chaotic as they are, you know, big filming days. Uh, her and her uh, boyfriend, Jake, you know, they were really kind. They greeted me and the person I was with. Um, they, you know, caught us up on everything that was going on on a film set and stuff. And I just thought they were really cool people to, to talk to. And that's where I also uh, met my sound guy, Alberto, or... Damn it! Is that his name? Sorry, right? Yeah, yeah um, Sorry. Alberto Garcia, right? Alberto Garcia, and then uh, Jaron Lewis. You know, my DP as well. I met them on a lot of those folks. I met them on the set of Phantom Fun World, and they were just, you know, such a tight crew, so fun to work with. Um, you know, just seeing what they were able to do with what they were given on that set, I was just like, we're gonna, we're gonna give you guys something fun to do and together. You know what I mean? So I, I yeah whole team pitched a project and they were like wow this sounds like a fun story you know so uh one by one i started collecting them all like pokemon <laughs> you know well you've also got derek Wearly um yeah. doing special effects makeup he, that's a talented kid yeah yeah, very talented guy and he's actually been involved with a few projects that have been featured on uh, on this podcast and i mean you've got a, a very solid crew very solid crew. And that's just, you know, the tip of the iceberg. Your AD is, uh, I, I've never known how to say his last name, uh, but Jake um, Capronica. I, I can't even say his last name. That's a Celeste. Thank goodness. What, I, if you can't say it, listen, if you can't say it, then, then hey, I'm, I'm not even going to try it. Not even going to try I, but, I stuck with names though, man. So like, that's why I give a lot of my story. Well, don't put it on me. <laughs> don't, don't put that shit on me. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll move forward to the Indiegogo. All right, right now you're you're trying to to get your funds together, and you've got an Indiegogo campaign. Um, there are a lot of perks have been claimed, uh, but there's still some great perks to be had. Uh, we've got a, uh, you know, let's let's look at what we've got going on, man. Um, you could be the executive producer 
you can uh, you, listen as far down as just a shout out on Facebook and people like to be, you know, um, they basically like to be thanked for their effort, man. Like, and a lot of people have to, to settle for just thankless jobs, you know, and you're, you're going, you're going out there and you're saying, you know what, we're going to give you a shout out. We're going to give you a little bit of attention. We're going to give you that shine. We're going to hand you your flowers for helping take care of us. And that's really cool of you guys to do. And, uh, I've only just realized Patrick Wilson and Will Arnett aren't the same person. Um, <laughs> that is unfortunate because they are the same person. It's just an illusion. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Jen, for chiming in. Jen is a faithful listener and we are most thankful for Jen. And, you know, actually Jen is uh, uh, one of my, one of my very few, very, very few, uh, movie watching partners. So things that I miss, Jen's quick to, 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 to shoot me down, but you know, you missed this part. This is, this is what was really going on. And, and I kind of have to take credit for some of those things. So, um, thankful, very thankful for Jen. And I got to shout out Dixie Gers too, man. Dixie's a freaking monster in, in the best, the best way possible. Dixie really, takes care of me here on the podcast anytime it's time to to get that docket filled she's the first one sharing she's she's tagging people left and right hey you got a movie coming up jump on this podcast and i'm i'm pretty sure you're not here we're not having this conversation without dixie yep yep she's definitely one of those people that's like really avid supporter of like everybody in the community man she shares your stuff she tags you when you need to know information uh, without being asked dude you know it blows my mind how many people i have on my facebook that have their own podcasts or youtube channels and all this stuff and when i make a post like hey we're promoting a new film got some fun surprises nobody you know takes up on it and then here comes dixie tagging a bunch of people that i can go talk to you know what i mean like she did with you and i was like right on you know uh so with people like her you know people like me can actually well, she does films too, but like we can actually do stuff because, you know, getting the word out helps out so much, man. Like so she's got one like, hand reaching up, one hand reaching back. And like, I, she's invaluable to the community. And again, man, people want to do promo spots until it's time to do a promo spot. You know, it's, it's so much easier to not go out and do something. And this goes in the way of filmmaking. This goes in the way of just doing a podcast to promote your work. Um, it is so easy to not do something it is the most readily available option there is, is to not move. And sometimes it takes a good friend like Dixie to, you know, give you a swift kick in the balls and say, no, you've got time on this day to do this. So here, here's a link and here's the guy to talk to. So I'm thankful, very thankful for Dixie. Um, as far as your perks though, digital poster, 10 bucks, man, you can't beat that. Uh, video chat with the creative minds behind the film. Um, what, what are, what are some of your favorite perks on this thing? Honestly, I look at like something like, uh, the digital copy of a film, because that means you get it as soon as it comes out. You don't have to wait on distribution. You don't have to wait on me making manufacturing. You don't have to wait for me to ship it. It's like, yeah, I got a copy in my hand or on my computer and I can just shoot you the email, you know, it's as quick as it can be. Anybody that looks to like see a film before it's spoiled online or anything like that, 
you know, uh, sure, indie films get spoiled too. You know what I mean? Like it happens. We kind of have to promote our guts out sometimes to to get the words out. You know what I'm saying? So it's a little bit of a bummer sometimes when you have to put out too much information just to show people what you're going for. But, you know, uh, one of the perks I like is just like a featured extra because like we have scenes that'll take place at like a school. You know what I mean? Because a lot of kids... Uh, we have a big dodgeball scene. Uh, so like this scene would allow a person to be on set with their kid while their kid's in a dodgeball scene. That would be a really fun type of comedic action situation um, as a dodgeball scene should uh, be in a horror movie, you know? Uh, so, you know, we've got a lot of fun perks like that, but also anybody that was getting executive producer perks, uh, they were getting uh, bundles and stuff like that. So they get uh, something like this Freddy Krueger little necklace. It's like the little Freddy Krueger glove. Uh, I dig. Neck. I also have it in keychain form. So like that was coming with executive producer perks. And then I have like the first original seven films on a Blu-ray that was going to be signed by Lisa Wilcox. Uh, that was going to executive producers as well. Um, you know, so just little things like that, that the only way you were going to get that is if you got like the higher end bundles, um, just because, you know, uh, sig- signed uh, merchandise like that, I'm only going to have so many uh, copies of for each thing. So headshots, um, Blu-ray copies of, like I said, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise and uh, just fun little things like this that were like custom made. You know what I mean? Uh, it's just really hard to get any other way. So, And if you look right now in the episode description uh, to this episode, um, you're going to find the link to the Indiegogo campaign. There's a ton of, ton of perks on there. Anything that you want is going to be there. Um, I'm really, uh, really thinking about that signed DVD because I know some of these fools are going to be famous one of these days. And I'm going to have that Herbie Hancock right there on my copy. Okay. And it's going to be sold and I'm going to pay off my home with it. Mm-hmm. And that's all there is to it. So Listen, man, I, I want to wish you uh, the best of luck making this film. I, I know something's going to get done. Um, you have a disclaimer on the Indiegogo that in the case it doesn't get funded fully, you're going to get your refund, but you got a backup plan, right? Yeah, for sure. So with this campaign, we were doing an all or nothing for $50,000 because I've, I've reached out to the locations, my contacts, my cast, my crew. I've, I've done the math. I know what I need minimum, which is the $50,000 just to make sure I get everything done and I'd still be paying out of pocket for a lot of stuff. But the $50,000 sure. is what we needed for the feature. But obviously, if that doesn't work out, uh, that ends May 5th. Everybody automatically gets a refund if we don't hit our goal because it was an all or nothing campaign. So what we're going to do is if that fails, which, you know, there's still time for it not to fail. Um, we're going to go ahead and shoot the the intro like it's like a short film proof of concept essentially that'll work as like a prologue to the feature film. Now these scenes would have played out the same, but slightly different order in the feature film, but they work so well as like a short prologue that it's almost perfect. And these scenes will have Lisa Wilcox in it. So no matter what, August 1st and 2nd, I'm going to be shooting with Lisa Wilcox for this film, even if I don't reach my goal. Uh, So, you know, it's just a fun way for people to hopefully get to be part of a, you know, the the film campaign and stuff before it actually becomes a feature because with it being a short proof of concept, it's going to be rolled out a lot faster. Um, we're going to shoot it, you know, quicker turnaround time. I've got an insane, some insane uh, effects planned for these scenes. Um, 
like we've already got like all the props and the effects and stuff starting to be ordered and modified for the specific scenes. Uh, so no matter what, you know, we're shooting this proof of concept that it's just going to be insane. It's going to have Lisa Wilcox and Darren Lee Cup, Celeste Blandin, uh, Morgan Pyle, and we're going to have a couple of other roles, obviously, for some other characters that'll be coming up in that part as well. Um, cause it's a pretty intense scene and, uh, really fun. Uh, I, that's all I can really say about it so far without giving too much away. But no matter that's all you need to say, man. I'm, uh, I'm sold. Once the campaign ends for the feature film, again, August 5th, if we don't hit our goal, everyone gets a refund the following Friday, which would be uh, May 12th, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. That's when I'll launch the backup campaign. You know, just uh, this won't be an all or nothing. It's just kind of going to be whatever I can get to help me film those scenes because I'm filming them scenes no matter what. So, when I launch out that second campaign, I'm going to have huge discounts on these perks just to see what I can get to help out. You know what I mean? And we're going to have some roles that people could actually pay to play and be in the film, which, you know, I wasn't doing that with the feature film, but with me cutting it down to like a short proof of concept, I have a little more wiggle room to add some fun roles in there. Uh, so we're going to be doing that. And then I'll have something that'll be called the nightmare bundle, uh, which will be the executive producer perk with all the, the Freddie uh, loot. You can imagine we're going to have, signed headshot of lisa wilcox we're gonna have the first seven films on blu-ray signed as well by lisa uh, wilcox uh we're gonna have like i said a necklace or a keychain for you these necklaces and keychains also come with like little mini freddy stickers which are really cool i don't have them like right next to me right now but they're just there's a variety of them i want them all uh <laughs> so like collect the whole set yeah dude like i just want to collect them all it's just like a whole night i'm calling it the nightmare bundle because you know, uh, what the scenes we have planned for the film and then uh, with Lisa Wilcox and everything, it's just perfect. You know what I mean? So Nightmare Bundle is what we're going to call that. Um, and then, like I said, some fun uh, roles that be in the film to be with Lisa Wilcox. You know what I mean? Uh, share a little bit of dialogue and be part of a scene that will have her in it for sure. So can't wait for this thing to get rolling man it's gonna be it's gonna be a great time and you know I've, I've said time and time and time again about short films and my fascination my recent fascination with short film and it's kind of been because of what you said exactly your your, your fallback plan is to make this a proof of concept or maybe uh maybe a cold open down the road for yeah. a feature film and that's precisely what happened with a film called piggy in 2022 uh there was a film back in a short film back in 2015 called theredita um same actress lauren galvan um uh, carlota de pereda was the, the the director on both basically she used piggy as a proof of concept uh reshot it uh with an updated laura and uh, some different cast members, but the 2015 short film was the catalyst for the 2022 feature film. And without that 2015 short film, 2022 doesn't happen. And I've, I've had the same conversation with Ben Schatzel, um, using short film as more than just a finished medium, sticking it in your back pocket, release it now, make it great. 
But down the road, don't forget about it because you might have something that's going to boost you into something else, uh, especially if it catches fire. And yeah, a lot of films were lucky enough to do that. It was like a saw uh, did that, lights out did that, uh, boogie nights. Yeah, see, so a lot of great examples of people that took something smaller and made it into a whole little universe. You know what I mean? Uh, even Terrifier, you know, that started off as a short film. Essentially, I think it was like was it the nine circles or something? So it was a nice little short film with like Art the Clown before we got the actor. Yeah, and, and not to mention the uh, All Hallows Eve compilation or yeah, uh, yeah. anthology. Well, Steve, man, tell me, man, well, go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you on your social social medias. We want them to, to be able to find you. Right on, right on. Find me on Facebook, Steve Morris. I also have Morris Better Pictures on YouTube which hopefully we'll have more content releasing on there coming out this year because pivoting into short films and stuff like this, you know, from not, if I'm not able to do it in the future, I have a lot of short films coming out on there and opportunities on Facebook for people to join the cast or crew and just help out and do, you know, fun stuff. So you can find me on Facebook and mainly YouTube. Yeah. I have an Instagram and stuff, but I'm so old. I just don't know how to operate it properly. <laughs> oh my God, you're frozen. I'm not frozen, am I? I don't know. Hmm. I hear my husky 